0: Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Tonight's show is going to be a little bit weird because, well, if you've yet to hear, the NHL has suspended all games for the rest of the season indefinitely. No word on whether or not playoffs will resume, if there will even be a playoffs, if the regular season's going to finish out. All of that, basically, is is not really at a point where they're going to make a decision yet. Everything is totes up in the air, which is pretty much what most people are doing right now because, to be honest, no one's ever had to deal with something like this on such a large scale. Basically, every major pro sports league has shut down. Concerts are unfortunately being canceled too, but I mean, in the whole idea of of social distancing to limit the spread of COVID-19, all of this tends to make sense. So, with that said, I thought I would talk about some fun stuff to do while folks are kind of staying indoors and probably passing the time in a little bit different ways than they usually do. Alright, so we're gonna start off with the easy one, because everyone probably has a Netflix account. I have one that I haven't used in in recent times, but there are some pretty good shows that you probably haven't seen. So we'll start with the the really popular ones first. Get those out of the way. Obviously Altered Carbon is is one of the best sci-fi series out there. It's a little bit ham-fisted sometimes, but if you kinda of like a bit of a Not necessarily neo-noir, but maybe a bit of a detective thriller with a a few shades of sci-fi mystery and some kind of neat moralizing. Altered Carbon is a bit grim. I feel like at times some of the characterizations and and plot writing are a little paper-thin and not exactly all that in-depth. It's a decent show, but you will kind of find that most of the characters are, in some capacity, relentlessly unlikable, which is kind of the point, I think. If you've never seen Altered Carbon, the basic premise before, you know, really spoiling anything important is that people now have the ability to use cloned bodies, although there's a whole class struggle over whose bodies you get and all of these different things, so there's a lot of different things that the the show kind of alludes to without necessarily exploring maybe with the depth that you'd hope. It can be a fun show, and there are some really fun and unique twists that it does on the formula, but I don't think that Altered Carbon is the kind of show that really breaks a whole lot of ground. But again, if you want something that's a bit of a change of pace, it's uh, a bit of a cyberpunk sci-fi show, you could do a whole lot worse. It's the closest thing you're going to get to Blade Runner that isn't Blade Runner, so I'd say it's worth a watch those of you who play video games in any sort of capacity have probably also heard of the Witcher series, which stars Henry Cavill as Geralt the Witcher, Geralt the White-Haired One, whichever one nickname you want to give him, Butcher of Blavigan, you name it, his his appearances are going to be there. And these are going to be taken after the short stories that were basically before most of the Witcher novels. So I haven't actually read these short stories, but I could tell from from some of the games and stuff that I've played, I picked up on a lot of the references that were were pulled from the game and essentially the pre-Witcher game lore. Most of the books, from what I understand, tend to go into Geralt's backstory a lot more and do a deep dive on the world lore, but the show does a pretty good job of taking you through a lot of different parts of it. I will say that the show is chronologically a little disjointed at first. Towards the end, you'll very much piece together what exactly the timeline for events in the show is, but it will take some time getting used to it. That said, I think that it's definitely worth sitting through. It's a very fun, entertaining romp with really good acting, or I guess if you say Cavill doing hmm or dropping F-bombs every few minutes, uh, mostly out of exasperation, is, is acting, then sure... But I'm always looking for a compelling reason to dive into the world of The Witcher. I think it's a great series. There's a lot to explore into it. And I think that the show does a very good job of really immersing you in the universe of Geralt without really making it too deep. It's it's a fun show. I say I say it's probably like a solid seven and a half out of ten. And it's definitely produced a lot of memes. So if nothing else you'll probably see a meme that you recognize from one of the scenes. If you are wanting something a little bit more off the beaten path from the foreign language section, then I highly recommend the German series Babylon Berlin. I don't really know 100% how to describe it, other than that it is it is kind of a, a murder mystery slash detective thriller slash period piece. And it basically takes place during the period in Berlin's history right before the rise of the Nazis. So this is sort of an era of decadence, liberalism, and a sense of overwhelming dread as certain fascist elements start to creep increasingly into the picture. Babylon Berlin though is an incredibly well-produced series. I believe it's Germany's most expensive TV series ever. It's definitely a slow burn kind of show and if you're looking for something that's very fast-paced and immediately gratifying, this is not that kind of series. It has stellar acting, I think the writing is great, the world-building is fantastic, and some of the visuals you really can't describe you just have to see i believe episode 2 has one of the most famous scenes from the entire series and when you see it you'll definitely know it i'm not going to spoil it for you but you're going to you're going to enjoy it there are so many different smaller moments in the show that add to the to the i guess the feeling of perhaps desperation and the quiet expectation of troubled times ahead and babylon berlin does a fantastic job of layering these different aspects on top of Just normal bureaucratic stuff going on, especially with like the local police departments in Germany. If you want an interesting look at pre World War II German culture, I think that this is a fantastic way to get introduced to it without really having to read or or do a huge deep dive. My final Netflix recommendation is a really funny anime series, and a lot of people are kind of like, eh, but Psyche K, the, the disastrous life of Psyche K, as it were, is arguably one of the funniest comedies I've ever seen, and it moves at an extremely fast pace. This show was meant to be done in very small snippets in Japan, so these seasons tend to take a few episodes at a time and sort of stitch them together into like one 22 to 25 minute episode. The long and short of it is that it's about a young kid who happens to be like the most powerful psychic and telepath in the world, and it leads to a bunch of really funny hijinks when people constantly misinterpret his signals. He's like the most extreme introvert you've ever met, and it constantly leads to him clashing with the world around him and his friends, who he doesn't necessarily want to be friend at first, but slowly grows to, you know, care for them, develop emotional attachments and different things like that. So it's, it's both a really funny comedy and also a really interesting, if understated, character study. Of course, I say understated, but most of Psyche K is all about dealing in the weird, absurdist humor of the entire world-building scene. If you're still looking for curious series and things to watch on Netflix, I think that we can start getting into some more obscure picks, uh, as, if, as if some of them haven't been obscure enough. One of them is another anime that I find to be very interesting. It's called Cannon Busters, and if you've never seen it, it's sort of a, uh, a Wild West hip-hop, cowboy bebop-styled series, but with a lot more mecha and some supernatural elements. The world is kind of a mixture of high fantasy meets the weird Wild West meets technology. So it's a very interesting universe. There's a lot of potential for the series to grow. As it is, it's kind of a fun roadshow. I think that it's got an interesting plotline. The characters are kind of amusing. Some of the emotional growth and, and character development gets interesting. And the fight choreography seems to be pretty tight. It's a really fun series to watch. It's got a great soundtrack, great animation... Very pleasing on the eye. And just a a fun story. A good way to pass, you know, a couple of hours of your time. For those looking for a bit of a sports angle, there's a very good series called Formula One Drive to Survive. If you've never seen Formula One racing, or if you have even a passing interest in it, this has a really interesting behind-the-scenes approach that's very uncut, very raw, and very honest about how difficult the challenges of F1 are, how often you run into trouble... And a lot of the personal drama behind the scenes that makes F1 even more compelling than some of the other sports around. Because Formula One Drive to Survive has such an uncut look at things, I think that you get a better sense of who the drivers are as people and how these teams really function on a day-to-day basis. I'll tell you one thing, it's, it's very different than what you see on TV, and it's a lot you know, more raw and emotional and, frankly, anger-filled, because a lot of these guys get really frustrated and do a lot of yelling. Formula One has a reputation of being a bunch of you know, gaudy, showy, high-ego kind of people, and that tends to be what you see, but there's also an intense drive and a passion to excel, and you see that always win out against the bigger personalities. If you're looking for some more feature-length films, there's Train to Busan, which is a Korean zombie movie. Perhaps not the greatest timing to watch it, or some would say it's the most appropriate time. But it's about a essentially, in my opinion, it might actually be a metaphor for the Korean War. But in, in short, this family has to survive basically a train hell ride down to the south, southern peninsula of, of Korea as a zombie outbreak occurs all around them. And you kind of learn how people don't really trust each other at first, how they grow to feel connected and, and protect each other, and sort of the sacrifices required just to make it from one city to the next. For those who watch anime, it's a lot like Kabaneri of the Iron Fortress, but set in contemporary modern times, and with arguably some kind of socio-political message, I think that it tends to lean heavily, at least from my reading of it, on some of the you know Korean War historical memories and things. Um, Hard to tell if that's actually what it is, but from just the first blush, that was my impression. Very good film, though. I enjoyed it a lot. It's really intense. Not overly scary, but it does have some jump scares, and there's a lot of tension as they hit each station, progressively getting deeper into the infection. Also on the train movie theme, we've got Snowpiercer, and Snowpiercer comes from the director, I think his name is Jun Ho Bong, who is most notably the producer and director of... Uh, Parasite, which recently won, I believe, what was it, the Golden Globe? No, something else. I forget all of these different moving and musical awards. But basically, Parasite's very good. Snowpiercer is one of his earlier works and has Chris Evans on what is essentially the Polar Express, but in a post-apocalyptic world. It's a, a very blunt movie about class struggle and welfare and a lot of the issues that exist in a society with extreme segregation and societal divides in an extremely harsh environment, although you're supposed to be able to parallel it to modern society. And let's just say it gets weird. There's some very interesting visuals and and themes that are kind of underlying the entire movie experience, but it's definitely not something for the faint of heart. Speaking of things not for the faint of heart, if you're looking for something that's a little spookier, perhaps a little bit more unusual... I have to recommend the Curlian Frequency, which used to be an Argentinian web series. Curlian Frequency is hard to describe. I would say it's kind of like. Alright, there's a game that you might want to play called Kentucky Route Zero, which feels like a strange alternate universe with rules that you really don't understand and supernatural elements that constantly dot the entire landscape. Curlian Frequency kind of has that same sort of vibe, but it's much creepier and much darker in, in thematic tone. It's very interesting, I love it, but again, it's kind of an acquired taste, something that is not going to be, you know, a show that lasts all that long for you, but might stick around in your memory for a long time. I keep thinking about all of these kind of neat ghost and monster stories, and still the Carolean frequency is kind of unique. If you've ever played like Metro 2033 or, or something like Stalker, mixed with some Kentucky Route Zero, this series is going to be something that you have to see now. You know, don't don't hesitate. It's pretty short, only four or five episodes. Just a fantastic show and Netflix keeps finding these unique little independent titles that I think above all really really separate themselves from the mass of generic kind of boring horror stories. After covering some Netflix shows, I think that we need something of a palate cleanser, and we're going to take some time to talk about some video games that might be worth giving a, a few shout-outs to. One that I've already mentioned is the Metro 2033 and 2034 franchise. Uh, and there's another one, Metro Exodus, which is the third in the series. And if you've never played these games, I don't 100% know how to describe it. It's sort of like a survival horror FPS RPG, but I think that there's... Also, validity to calling it like a ghost story. 2034 and Exodus are more traditional, action-packed survival shooters. I think 2033 is probably the game that best captures a sort of mysterious atmosphere and a really spooky environment. Not that 2030, 2034 and Exodus don't have moments of frightening intensity, but I think 2033 really understood the atmosphere of supernatural mysteries Sort of a feeling of existential dread and really oppressive atmosphere. Definitely not one to play by yourself at night if you're a bit faint of heart. I'd also recommend giving the Stalker series a shot, which is from the same developers who ended up forming their own studio to do the Metro series. Stalker is like an open world RPG. You can see a lot of the same DNA that essentially formed the backbone of the Metro series, but it's a lot jankier. It's an open world franchise. It's pretty much only on PC, and it's very different in approach. It has that same oppressive atmosphere and a lot of sort of dark spookiness and some weird supernatural mysteries going on, but it's much more expansive, and it focuses more on the RPG side of things. I'd also suggest that it's more, I guess, alive in some respects. Like, when you say Metro, it's a very narrow, focused experience, but Stalker just gives you some objectives and then sets you loose on a very weird warped version of reality in an area that has been totally transformed by scientific experiments and things that they can't even really explain. If you want something that's not exactly spooky but more, well, let's just say campy is the right word to describe it, I would give uh, I would give the Earth Defense Force series a look. If you've never played Earth Defense Force, it's an incredibly silly, I'd, I'd say Starship Troopers meets Godzilla meets something else, man. Basically you play as these small soldiers against impossibly massive enemies, hordes of them too, like giant spiders, giant ants, things that kind of look like giant T-Rexes fused with Godzilla that shoot lasers, giant alien spaceships, and the more absurd the enemy, the more guns they give you to blow them all up. It's a hysterical game that really doesn't take itself too seriously, and I think that there's a good chance that you'll find it to be really amusing. If campiness is not what you're looking for, but you are looking for something perhaps leaning more on the historical side of things that is a a genre that doesn't really get a whole lot of play, and that's medieval times, I would say that uh, Mountain Blade provides, for me, one of the best uh, and deepest action RPG experiences around, and it's not really a game that actually has a ton of depth on the face of it. Mountain Blade has been around for like a decade now, and the sequel is actually on the way very soon, but until then we're stuck with the original. But that said, I really love the original. The formula is pretty straightforward. You start as basically a no-name peasant and work your way up the proverbial ladder in a fictionalized um, medieval society that actually takes influences from real-world counterparts that did exist. It's definitely a little bit on the bare bones side, especially by modern standards, and the presentation is most certainly on the older side, but if you dig what it offers, I don't know that there's really a better kind of game that offers the unique sorts of, I guess, experiences and stories that Mountain Blade comes up with. It's one of those things that you really can't explain until you try it. I think you just have to give it a shot and see what it has to offer. And there's a bunch of different, like, content expansions and things, some of which add real-world locales and periods and time, others which offer something like a Viking version. There's also tons of fan-made mods, and it's an easy way to lose dozens of hours if you're stuck inside and really want something that's kind of off the beaten path. On the more mainstream side of things, uh, right now you can actually get Borderlands 3 and Destiny 2 on sale from Steam, and both of these games are very good for very different reasons. Borderlands 3 is pretty much just more Borderlands, but spruced up with uh, even more explosions, fancier graphics. The writing is still kind of mediocre to me. I think for the most part you're there just to sort of loot-a-thon and do numbers games with all of the different items. Destiny 2 is kind of the same way, but they keep adding new seasons of content, more raids, more encounters with enemies in the world, open world, lots more stuff to do with your friends, more PvP content. It keeps evolving and changing over the years, but it's still a very base-satisfying game from the guys who made Halo, just a really well-rounded, well-crafted shooter that continues to get better with age. If you want something that's more like an MMO, I would have to say that Final Fantasy 14 recently has been really catching my eye. FF14 has been around for many years, but when it first came out it was basically broken and a lot of people weren't happy with it. Over the years though, as it continues to mature and develop and really round out, this is a game that has added some really incredible expansions, a really thriving amazing single player story, tons of world events for You know, you should take part in a really, really deep end game. And it's just a very pretty MMO. They've also changed the file size to make it smaller so that most people can actually download it and not have to worry about storage space. It does require a monthly subscription, but if you like MMOs and you've never experienced what this one has to offer, I think that you should definitely give it a try. There's a lot of depth. It's a very attractive game world. It definitely introduces you to the mechanics in a very normal, um well-paced way. They've made a lot of adjustments to the grind so that it's actually rewarding and not as just busy work as it used to be. All in all, FF-14 remains really a gold standard in how you rehabilitate an MMO that had essentially a fairly disastrous launch. It's a great game, I think it's worth the price of admission, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. I hope that these uh entertainment options give you some nice and fun things to do over the next couple of days and weeks. There's plenty of content to dive into. We'll be taking a look at some off-season hockey stuff since we're basically at that stage now uh, over the couple of weeks, but we've got plenty of stuff to go through. I'm probably going to bring in some more pop culture content. There's going to be a lot to talk about, especially since, as far as hockey is concerned, not much going to be going on while the league is suspended. Thanks so much for listening. This wraps up this edition of Locked on Winnipeg Jets. Tune your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NHL Fantasy. Have a great day and see you tomorrow. Go Jets go.